Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan. I'll be your host for the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started, all the details in these podcasts are personal experiences, each woman with her own opinions and thoughts on pregnancy and birth. While I hope that you find some useful advice in this podcast, you should always speak with a medical professional before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth care, and this platform is simply used to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Let's get into the episode. Today I have a bonus episode for you all. I ran a poll on the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram and you all answered 100% yes to hearing from a Kiwi dad. So today you'll hear from Ari, he's Ruby and George's dad. Earlier in the week, Tash gave her birth stories which were very different and also empowering. So I'm excited for you all to hear those stories from Ari's point of view. Let's get into the episode. Hi Ari, welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. Hey, thanks, Jordan. It's so cool to be a part of this. We're so happy to have you on the show. You're our first dad that we've recorded, so very, very cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do when you're not in full dad mode? Who's in your family, just in case the listeners haven't heard Tasha's episode yet? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so my name's Ari. I'm turned 30 this year. I've spent the first half of my life on a farm in Taupri and the second half living as a townie in Hamilton. And... Married to Tash, we have our daughter Ruby, who's almost two and a half, and our baby boy George, who's six months, and we have a little photography business together that we run, shooting weddings and families in Hamilton. Amazing. That's cool. Very cool to be able to do that together. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And so obviously you said you've got Ruby and little George, who are both very cute. Yep. I love all of their photos on Instagram. <laughs> um, have you... <laughs> yeah, a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet being a photographer, you've got a lot. Have you always wanted to be a dad? Did you and Tash sort of know that you'd have kids from an early stage in your relationship? Or when did you start talking about that? Yeah, we we both wanted to be quite young parents. It's, it is something that we actually talked about quite early. I guess that's kind of weird for people, but... Um, especially in their 20s, but it is something that we talked about quite early in our relationship. I'm a, an only child to a single parent. So I had a, I had a really small family growing up, even though my mum was one of nine, so I had a huge oh, wow. extended family, but <laughs> yeah. just a really small, you know, immediate family. So having, having a big family was always a really important thing for me, and I wanted to definitely start before I was in my 30s. We kind of, we got engaged about two years into our relationship, and not long after that, we started talking about having our first child. 
And yeah. did you have to try for long or um, did it sort of happen straight away? What was that like? Yeah, no, we we were pretty lucky. We got pregnant in the second month, which I know is very fortunate and there's a lot of people yeah. who struggle for a lot longer than that. You know, that first month you, you're very naive. I kind of thought that, I don't know, we're kind of brought up to think that if you don't use protection, then you will fall pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So when you have that first, like, failed pregnancy test, it's a... It's quite an eye-opener Yeah, that it's actually not like that at all. And there's actually quite a bit of science and so on that goes into it. Tasha's a Googler. So she <laughs> went online and she learned everything that she needed to learn to fall pregnant. So yeah, we um, we went in with a bit of the second month with a, with a bit more knowledge. And yeah. we used like pre-ovulation testers and all that sort of stuff. So we were very fortunate that we actually felt pregnant pretty pretty easily this that time. Well, both times awesome. actually. Very good. And did Tash yeah. tell you she was pregnant? Were you there at the time or how, how did that go? Um, well, because we were, we were trained, um, you know, we wanted to have kids. We were, yeah. we were testing straight away. We burnt for so much money on pregnancy <laughs> tests and stuff. Our morning routine would pretty much would get up and Tash would take a pregnancy test. It would <laughs> go on the bench and we would nervously I don't know, just make awkward small talk for a couple of minutes <laughs> to try and yeah. take our mind off it. And we did that for a couple of months, obviously, with a lot of failed tests, which was quite disheartening. Yeah, one morning we had that faint, very faint line <laughs> that we really had to look at. But, yeah, we were, we were both there, so we both saw it at the same time, and we both cried, and we were yeah. obviously very, very happy and yeah, what an amazing <laughs> moment for you guys to yeah. share together. It's more more common probably yeah. that the the mum finds out that she's pregnant and then has to sort of tell the partner. Yeah. But amazing that you guys did that together. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. Oh, Tash did a few like on the sly without me, and I, I kind of <laughs> I was pretty angry about it. Kind of put a stop yeah. to that pretty quickly. Um, yeah, because yeah, I wanted to be a part of when she found out as well. Because yeah, was, for sure, it's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. And so she obviously tested positive and then I guess it takes you a while probably to come to terms with the fact that you'd be a dad in nine months or less. What was your sort of thought process there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're trying to have a baby, it, it's it's not quite real. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then get that positive result. I'm pretty sure that day Tash had to go to work or something. And I remember sitting like just sitting on the edge of the bath and looking at the test and it's yeah, it's a pretty life changing moment. Like yeah. you, know, you now have to really grow up and take take everything pretty seriously. And I guess it's it's kind of different for dads. Like we have to um we kind of see everything as like a uh, I don't know the word, but we kind of look at everything from like a financial perspective. Like okay, now I have sure. to yeah. provide <laughs> a family and yeah, you know I can't just mess around about whatever I want from now on and make sure we've got enough work coming in because we're both self-employed. So, yeah, it's going to gonna have to start growing up and it's very life-changing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And did you have much of an idea about pregnancy symptoms or what the sort of next nine months might be like for you? How did you prepare for that? Did you go to any birth classes with Tash or anything like that? Yeah, um, no, so I, I really I knew nothing. I, <laughs> I pretty much knew what you see in movies and that's all wrong yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> I kind of thought that, like, it would just be like morning sickness the whole way and she'd just yeah. want to eat really weird things the whole time. And <laughs> I guess like part of that's is slightly true, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it. Yeah. We, we did antenatal classes. We just did the plunket ones and 
we learned quite a lot through that, which was really, it was really good. We recommend that you guys do, if anyone does that, if they, if it's their first time around. Yeah, cool. Why not? Uh, Tash was, oh, like I said, she was a big Googler and she learned everything there was to learn. She did try and teach me stuff, but you know, it, it's, it is really different for, for dads because we don't have that same sort of attachment yet. You know, we don't yeah. have the baby's not growing inside of us. We don't have that same emotional attachment yeah. yet. We don't, it's kind of like I was saying before, when you're sort of still testing before that, pre- before that positive test, it still doesn't seem quite real. And so it is, it is kind of hard. To, so we just, I just tried to be supportive in anything that she needed. Just get it for her, pull over when we're driving somewhere <laughs> as quick as I can so she can grow up. And yeah, yeah just obviously nesting is a huge thing. And we just, I tried to do anything that she wanted with, in the baby's rooms and yeah. just help, help as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then, so where were you when Tash went into labor? Um, so we were both at home. I remember we woke up in the morning. Um, Tash was, oh, here, Tash yelled from the bathroom that her <laughs> mucus plug had come out. Well, what we, had to, <laughs> yeah. well, what we think was mucus plug. It looked like yeah. a mucus plug because, you know, Tash was pretty open and she showed me everything, which was yeah. nice. <laughs> best thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we rang our, rang our midwife and explained what we had. And she said, yeah, that's probably the start of labor, but. Tash didn't really have you know, contractions or anything like that yet. So we figured uh, we'd walk down to our local cafe, which is the village. Fodder, fodder, really good if anyone wants a good place. <laughs> Walked down, being the main thing there, and <laughs> I don't know why. But we had a huge breakfast, and Tash couldn't walk back. Um, so I had to run back and get the car. It was it was pretty slow starting. There wasn't really a lot going on throughout the day. I had a shoot planned that day, and because nothing was really happening, I went and did the shoot, which is kind of a weird thing. But I mean, probably quite common. Usually, the labors take yeah. so long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to do something throughout the day, or else we're just sitting there making each other yeah. nervous. But nothing really escalated until that night, and then it really escalated. Obviously, it's pretty. It's pretty cool being a part of all that and being able to be supportive. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough for Tash. Like, you know, you see the amount of pain that she was in. Yeah. And, yeah. and get her what you wanted and make it as comfortable as possible for her and go through all the motions with her. Our midwife was, was pretty good at trying to, like, keep us out of hospital as long as possible. So we kind of just, you know, did whatever we could to keep Tash as comfortable as possible. So when um, you um, went to the hospital and, and Tash was sort of fully in labor, do you want to talk us through that experience from your perspective and sort of into Tash's birth story? Yeah, so I think it was about maybe 5 a.m. We'd sort of been able to stretch her out too um, before the pain just got too much and we had to take her in. Um, we did live a little bit out of town, about 20 minutes out of town, so we had a little bit of a drive to get her into hospital. We got into hospital and she... She started being able to have gas for her pain relief, which at that time she thought was um, that's the best thing ever. She loved <laughs> yeah. that. She's like, this. I remember her saying, oh, this is this is going to be easy. Like, just yeah. <laughs> now that I've got this, this, this is fine. And so she was just huffing away on the gas for the first little while. And Tasha's pain obviously started to go up quite a bit more. And our midwife, Michelle, started to sort of notice that Ruby's heart rate was quite low, consistently quite low. She sort of queried that a few times with different doctors as they came in and they kind of, they kind of hummed and hard, but they, you know, just decided it's, it's fine. 
we just keep going about it. Tash got to a point where the pain was just too much and she wanted to have an epidural. So we got that started. But the first round didn't really, it didn't work for her. Okay. Um, so unfortunately she sort of had to sit there in pain for, I think, almost like another hour. Mm, well, we had to time. wait for the, sorry, I don't know what the name is. Um, the epidural to come. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Uh, to come back in and give her another round. But in hindsight, it was, it was lucky that she'd, you know, had all that set up for her anyway. Pretty, pretty normal sort of birth at this stage. Um, Tash was doing really well. She was, you know, progressing through. And I think she'd got up to about six centimeters at this point. And then the heart rate was still, Ruby's heart rate was still quite low. And our midwife really wasn't happy with it. So she once again called the doctor. Um, to come in and she really pushed for like a proper answer this time as to what yeah. was going on. And they kind of, I think they were kind of saying like, it's, 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 it's probably the monitor that's not picking it up properly. Saying. So they were going yeah, to okay. put, yeah. So they're going to put like a monitor up and, um, and I think they attach it onto Ruby's head to get you know a better reading and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's when they saw that the cord, umbilical cord had already come out and she had, um, had cord prolapse. And God. I always, I didn't really know any of this. Like, I, we knew what a cord prolapse was, but you know, cause we were, we were taught about this and, um, and Plunker is like one of those, okay. it's just one of those things I use as an example, but it, it's, it happens so rarely that you, <laughs> yeah. they just kind of, brushed over it and we kind of brushed over it as well because like, oh, you know, it's like one in a thousand chance or saying that that's going to happen. Yeah. So we just, but the doctors didn't really say any of this. They kind of just kept it very quiet. They saw that there was a cord there. Um, a doctor jumps up and touches or pushes a button on the wall. Um, and the next thing we know, there's like five other doctors in, and Tash has been wheeled out into surgery. God, how terrifying for you. Yeah, it was. Um, because I had no idea what was going on. No one had yeah. really said anything. Um, yeah. But everyone was very, very worried. Yeah, I can imagine. That would be really scary for both you and for Tash, obviously. Yeah, well, I didn't even really get to talk to Tash or any, like even really see what was going on with Tash. It was yeah. all that fast. You know, it was within like 20 seconds she was out of the room. Um, and so were you allowed into the theatre? Yeah. So, I mean, the doctors on that, they're, they're really amazing. Um, I was probably only in there for maybe two minutes before a doctor came in and was like, okay, can you come with me? And they put me into scrubs and that. And by the time I was in scrubs and I walked into the theater, I walked in just as Ruby was being pulled out. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So as, as insanely fast, like within a few minutes, they had got Ruby out. But it was pretty frightening because I walked in and there's, you know, Tash is just like on the, on the table, Ruby's being pulled out and there's, yeah. there's a lot of blood. The placenta is like a, attached to Tash. Tash had a bicordiate uterus where the cord prolapsed because of the way yeah. that Ruby's sort of sitting in one half of this uterus. The cord is like come out first, but the, um, the placenta was attached to the septum. So as they, they pulled Ruby out and they pulled the placenta out, it teared that septum and Tash had quite a severe bleed and so much so that when I looked up at the lights above the operating table, there's blood all over them. Oh my goodness. And what sort of goes through your head seeing that? I can only imagine you're terrified. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such a, it was such a bittersweet moment because yeah. obviously I've got, I'm holding Ruby at the stage, which is, a, you know, amazing. Again, like another life 
changing moment. You know, yeah. that's when it sort of all becomes very real for the dad. You know, it's um, yeah. like I said, like Tash, you know, it's Ruby's growing inside of her. She can feel it. She's got, all, you know, the hormones and everything like that going. But as a father, you don't really have that same connection. You kind of yeah look at it from like a very practical point of view of everything. Yeah. Like okay, the, the kid's gonna need this, it's gonna need that. You just you kind of just do what you you need, you need to do, but then yeah. you don't really have that same emotional connection at all until you actually see your baby and you actually hold your baby, um, and then it becomes insanely you know very real, and you all of a sudden love this thing more than anything else you've ever seen in yeah. your life. Amazing, and so Tush is yeah. obviously. Um, in a bit of yes. trouble from there. So what, what was that like from there, from your perspective? Yeah. So again, like I'm not, people aren't really telling me things. That, um, obviously they have something more important to do than to brief yeah. me about what's going on. So I kind of, I take Ruby over and sit beside Tash so I can hold Tash's hand. But she's, she's really out of it. She's on a lot of drugs and um, yeah. shaking, like uncontrollably shaking. Over to the other side, and our midwife, she looks, she's always like this very confident person, but she's very, very, like, just white. Like, she's trying to be, I don't know, like, reassuring to me, but she's not really. Yeah. Not to any fault of her own, but she's no, just worried as well. She's yeah. never seen, a, no, she's only ever seen one called prolapse, and that was her own. No, and she's right, done like okay. a thousand babies. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's one in a thousand, I like, guess, all right. So I kind of get filled in that Tash has got like a little bit of, she's got a bit of a bleed and they're just trying to deal with that. But like I said, it's this incredibly bittersweet moment because you're just, you're kind of just thinking the worst. Everyone's very in a rush. They're very focused and stuff. And I've never been in that situation. I've never even really been in a hospital. To me, like it's very serious. Yeah, um, and, and absolutely. I think, I think you know, you've probably got a million emotions going through yeah, your mind. Definitely. You've got this little baby in your arms, and then you've got your partner on the operating table in a fairly serious condition. So that's yeah, really terrifying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it has stretched out for quite a while. Maybe like twenty, thirty minutes. They're trying to stop oh, wow. bleeding and stitch yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, incredibly terrifying. Um, yeah, and did you get to so once sort of Tash is in the clear and. You head back into a hospital room. Did you get to keep hold of Ruby or what did you do after that? Yeah, so the whole time they were in the theatre, I was holding Ruby, obviously. Um, Tash was in no position and yeah. we kind of, we get well to recovery. Everything's back to normal. I guess like a little bit of like shock and everything sets up and so on. Yeah. But as, you know, the whole situation is so overwhelming. So we get into recovery sort of after maybe like five or ten minutes pass, we kind of, Start to settle down. Um, you can sort of start to enjoy what's going on. You know, yeah. you can start yeah. to relax a little bit. Dash is finally able to sort of like move her arms, and she's in a she's okay enough now that I can put Ruby on her, and she can have yeah. her moments and um, start yeah, to train my speed and everything. And yeah, it's yeah the most amazing amazing thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of walk out and tell the rest of our family who's anxiously waiting because they have no idea either. They just know that we got wheeled off into a theatre yeah. very quickly, that everything's fine. And Yeah, cool. And so how did your, I guess I'm always curious about this when I talk to dads, how did your view of uh, Tash change after that whole experience? I mean, obviously it's traumatic and terrifying for you. Did you have time to sort of 
process what had just happened and and sort of what you were feeling? Yeah, I mean, like obviously, I always I I respected Tash a lot, especially through like the pregnancy and how sick she was, and you know, we did yeah. have quite a a complicated pregnancy because we. And, you know, Tash had this bicordial uterus that wasn't yeah. diagnosed. They can only do that so early before it's out of, you know, view for this, you know, um, ultrasounds on that. So throughout the whole sort of thing, my respect for Tash just has, you know, has shot up so much. Yeah. You know, she's this insanely strong and caring person that really, um, really did anything for Ruby and, yeah. you know, put, her child safety first, right from the start. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously going through all that, you know, it, it just, it was what it was, but it was kind of afterwards when like, you know, she'd been through all of that. And then the next day she's like up walking and she's like feeding her child and changing yeah. his nappy and all that sort of stuff that like, it really blew my mind. And, you know, I realized it's like the amazing woman that I've landed in we've been married at that stage but we were getting married um you know and yeah like I said the amount of respect that I'd gained for her and you know she was only like I think she was 23 no she's quite a a young mom I don't know I don't really know how to expand like obviously I think that's a good explanation (laughs) yeah she she blew my mind (laughs) yeah as I think like any birth does for any any dad because obviously if we can't go through that we can't yeah, you no, know, our body, our body doesn't do that. So if you, if you, if you're a dad and you get to see what your partner goes through to give birth, I think, I think it blows all of our minds. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. after that, I know that you spent a couple of days in the birth center and then you headed home. Um, were you mm-hmm. able to spend? Did you get to take a little bit of time away from work, or what did you do for those first few weeks that you had Ruby at home? Um, yes, yeah, so. We obviously had to spend a couple of days at hospital, as you do after a cesarean. Yeah. And then we spent a couple of days. Oh, no, we only spent one day, actually, at birth center. And then one of the midwives there sort of saw that Ruby was doing quite a lot of twitching. And she was quite worried that she thought that Ruby was having seizures. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that was um a nice little traumatic yeah. thing to pop on top of everything else at the end of that week. So yeah. we ended up having to hop onto an ambulance and be rushed off to NICU. And we had to spend a night in the NICU so they could um, monitor Ruby and see what was going on. Oh, wow. Um, which, if you've ever been to NICU, and I really hope that people don't have to go there because it's, it's a pretty, very sad place. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were one of the lucky ones that we were, just, we were there for a reason, but it turned out to be nothing. But some of those babies in there, they're very tiny and very sick and yeah. feel really bad for the people who are in there. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we spent the night there and in the morning, the doctor came around, saw Rick's twitch and was just like, ah, that's normal. I was just, it's fine. We went home. Right. So we, we went home after a very sleepless night. And yeah, we I didn't have to work for a couple of weeks, but it's kind of weird you they just like send you home with this baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem right. Like, we, we have no idea what we're doing at all. And yeah. you get home and you kind of sit in the lounge and you're just like, now what? Like, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you just kind of try and make yourself comfortable and sleep yeah. as much as you can, which is very much. And you're just 
work it all out. Yeah. And do you feel like there was anything that you could have sort of done before Ruby was born that would have better prepared you in those first couple of weeks? Or do you just feel like it's, you sort of don't know until you're there? I, I, I think like, yeah, I, I think you just, you don't know until you're there. Like, you know, everyone has their opinions, but every, every child is different and everyone's experience is different. So, yeah, you know, we, we have friends who had babies that from the get go, they woke up like twice a night and they were fine, but that wasn't our experience. We were getting up every 40 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like you can, as long as you've got like nappies and you've got like all the essential things you need, you just kind of have to work it out. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that can prepare you no matter what you read because yeah, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's opinion seems to be, you know, counterproductive of what actually happens or they kind of contradict each other and, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it's just from their own experiences, right? Yeah, for sure. So obviously I know that you've got little George as well. Um, when did yeah. you and Tish sort of start trying for another baby? We decided that we wanted them to be kind of close together because – we kind of figured that they'd be friends, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ruby doesn't really care at all yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But, you know, Tash, Tash is, I think, a four-year gap between her and her sister, and she kind of always watched it. That it was a little bit closer yeah. so that they had a little bit more in common because, obviously, they go through different milestones as they're growing up. Yeah. And so we kind of thought if they were about two years apart, then hopefully – that will make their milestones a little bit closer and they'll yeah. be able to be friends. And, and we kind of, we did want to be a young family. I kind of wanted to have two before I was 30. And um, so we decided to start having another child. We kind of had to plan it around like our wedding season. Cool. Um, and was that pregnancy experience much different from your perspective? I guess you had a bit of a better idea of what to expect for the next nine months. Was that any different for you? Yeah, it was completely different. Um, we kind of knew what to expect. Being a boy, Tash wasn't nearly as sick as she was with Ruby. I don't know. I guess there's some sort of science behind that. But we <laughs> yeah. don't get as morning sickness with boys. And so Tash had a much better time of it. We didn't have nearly as many complications. The septum, yeah. Tash's septum, it had grown back a little bit, but not as much. So George wasn't quite um, like as weirdly put in there. But there also yeah. wasn't really that pressure because we knew that we were going to be having an elective cesarean this time, especially after yeah. last time, to kind of give Tash a little bit of the control back. And just because, you know, obviously we were quite nervous going into it again. Um, yeah, I can imagine after last time that was probably um, something that you were really nervous about. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's kind of a decision that we made together, but it was, you know, ultimately Tash's decision. And yeah. You know, like I said, it was a big part because she had no control the first time at all. Um, yeah. So this was kind of a way to give her sort of some of that back. Yeah. And I, I, I believe it was absolutely, you know, it was the right decision. It made the, the entire experience, it was completely different. It was, you know, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Do you want to talk um, us through that a bit then? How, how did that sort of all start? So you obviously go into hospital because you've got the elective booked, but do you want to talk us through that from there? Yeah. So you go into hospital a couple of months before and they just go over everything that happened the first time and they talk about your electives and everything. And as you go to leave, you get to pick your child's birth date. So yeah, you get given your date and you just go about your normal life the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, 
it is it was a lot less stressful because he wasn't like you know he wasn't the right way around and stuff like that but we just didn't have to worry about anything like that anyway um yeah the only thing we have to worry about is like he just has to stay in there until the right yeah. date and then the day the day comes and it's it, it, it is so weird like you get up like you go to bed that night knowing that the next day you're going to have a baby yeah. um, and you get up in the morning and it's just like pack your, your bags to go to hospital to have a kid and we, you know, we said goodbye to Ruby and she has no idea what's going on. Yeah, we, we head off, we go to the, the hospital and it's like, um, I think they do like three a day and there's a couple other mums there sitting obviously very nervous as well. They call your name and you go through to, it's, it's really calm. Everyone, like the doctors introduce themselves and they talk to you and they tell you about what's about to happen. And yeah, it was, it was so nice. It was, it was completely different, you know, the first time. Yeah, I walked into a theater of chaos and blood everywhere and uncertainty and panic. And then, you know, this time it's everyone's relaxed and, you know, Tash gets drugged up and everything and ready. I just sat beside her and held her hand. Yeah, George's birth was pretty routine. There's no complications or anything like that. The placenta was fixed in a, a normal place. So you know, there's no excessive bleeding or anything. Yeah. He came out. I was right at the head of the bed, so I had a pretty good view. <laughs> Amazing. Like, I saw him come out here first and that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It did It did feel a little bit different the second time around, I guess. Um, the first time, it's like this hugely life-changing thing. Whereas yeah. this time, it's kind of just like an addition to that. It's still amazing and happy and everything, but... Of course. I guess, I guess also like the circumstances of it, it again, like is, is relaxed and completely different. Yeah, so different. Yeah. Yeah. And he came out and he like teed on everyone. And I got to cut the cord both times, which was really cool. And just held him and held him there so Tash could see him and they sewed her all up and we got wheeled out into recovery and you know, same sort of thing. Recovery was. Yeah, a lot easier again this time because we had had to. The surgery wasn't quite as full on, and it wasn't yeah. the same sort of bleeding, and I guess it's kind of routine. And then we got to go up to our room. We had a we had a photographer there waiting, so that you know, our parents and Ruby got to meet George for the first time. We got to have all that captured, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, awesome. And really amazing photos have now, and yeah completely different you know we came home and we kind of knew what we had to do now we kind of knew what we had in store for us over the next couple of months yeah. you know we knew that we were really gonna sleep or anything and uh, but we knew what like i said we knew what we were doing we had to change it maybe properly we knew how to you know feed him if we need to feed him we knew, yeah you know if the breast wasn't working that we can we can just give him a bottle it's not yeah <laughs> yeah and, you know, all that sort of stuff cool and i guess yeah. um from your perspective if you could give other dads sort of some advice or some, can you think of anything? Yeah, actually, because I've had a friend who's just had a baby quite recently. And mm-hmm. I guess like the things I talked to him about, like, um, as I sort of said earlier, you know, we don't have that same sort of emotional connection throughout the pregnancy. So don't like beat yourself up about it. I know I kind of did the first time and I, I also, Tash probably didn't really understand as well. And I think maybe that's the same for the mothers that, um, yeah. 
it's just not the same for the dads for that point. Um, yeah. So don't don't stress because when you're actually holding the baby, it's going to be completely different, and you'll get yeah. those sorts of emotions and feelings and that <laughs> um, throughout the pregnancy. Just you know, be supportive and understand that really hard. Don't take anything personally, and just just do what your partner asks you to do. <laughs> um, Good piece of know. advice. <laughs> yeah, just, just do it. It's, it's not forever. They're doing a pretty amazing thing. So just be throughout labor because, you know, we did get to go through 36 hours of labor um, the first time around. Don't feel like they, you know, you're being useless because it's really nothing that we can do apart from yeah. hold hands and be supportive. Yeah, it's just our, it's just our place to be supportive. And then, you know, when we get home, just try and be understanding. I don't know. I, I, I think a few dads trying to put, like, their ideals on, on the mother. And yeah. I don't think that's right. Like, you know, we're not the ones that have to breastfeed. We're not the ones that have been mm-hmm. through all this. And our bodies haven't had to do anything. So just <laughs> don't be the alpha male for a little bit. Just <laughs> yeah. do it. Cool. I think yeah. that's some some good pieces of advice that probably some other dads out there will really appreciate. So thank you. And so now obviously you've got Ruby and George. Do you think you're done with babies or you're hoping to have another one? We don't know. Like, Not sure yet. Was, yeah, like straight after George, we're like, oh, maybe we should do one more. You know, I always wanted to have a big family. I always thought like like four kids or something. And you always say but and then everyone's like, oh, because it's, you know, stuff and everything. But um, yeah. I kind of... I kind of get that family fulfillment from what we have now, our, our yeah. little unit. I don't feel like there's anything missing at all in our lives in that sort of way. But, you know, the kids, they grow so fast. You know, like George is already six months. He's got like teeth and he smiles and <laughs>, laughs and, yeah. uh, and Ruth, proper kid. You know, she <laughs> answers back and shares her own, her own opinions and everything. So, I don't know, you know, obviously we miss that sort of baby stage. Um, yeah. But going from like, going from no babies to one is like a huge step. There's like a huge life changing thing. But having two is just kind of adding on a little bit. It's not like that yeah. huge difference. Um, especially once you sort of get over those first like two, two newborn months is just kind of yeah. your day is just kind of as it was before anyway. And you know, but when you, I think like having a third will be again like that huge step again. No, you have to accommodate a third, which is not hard in like a parenting way, but just like in a practical way. Like, you know, we like a bigger car, you have to get yeah. a bigger house. If you need a babysitter, it's so much harder to get a babysitter for three kids and so on. So it's, it's definitely not a no, like a later on thing. Maybe when like yeah. Ruby's in school and that's, yeah, we'll see. Oh, well, there's we'll no... keep an eye out on the uh, Instagram just in case there's any pregnancy announcements in the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Tash was no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure that I attach some photos to the podcast show notes as well as the Instagram so that everyone can check out your pages because you're awesome photographers. This is very cool pictures on there. Oh, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for uh, coming on the show today, Ari. I really appreciate it. And I think the listeners will really enjoy hearing a birth story from the dad's perspective as well. So you've been very brave and yeah, <laughs> really appreciate so. you coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me on and thanks for and having the dad on as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there.
If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you.